Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, it is so good to be back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I cannot wrap my mind around the fact that season three of Handling It is finally here. I hope you've all been well over the past few months. Life on my end has been busy moving to the UK, embarking on my master's, but needless to say, I've been handling it. And one thing that's for sure, no matter where I'm at in my life, is that I am always in need of more advice and inspiration from others. And today's guest, Alexandra Kay, will be sharing just that. Alexandra Kay is a country singer that has recently been taking social media by storm. Having originally started out her career working in hip-hop and R&B with artists like Nelly, Alexandra was actually able to reach her peak as a singer and songwriter when she stepped into country music. Some of you may know Alexandra from her viral coffee covers on TikTok and Instagram, her role on the Netflix original series West Side, or from some of her hit songs like I Kinda Don't, All the Cowboys, We Wouldn't Be Us, How Do We Go, and Tall Boys. Over the past few months, Alexandra has been touring the U.S. on her In Real Life tour, and now she's preparing to join country music legend Tim McGraw on his North America tour this spring. Today, Alexandra and I will be chatting about what drew her to the genre of country, how her upbringing in Waterloo, Illinois influenced her path in music, and the joys she's found in being an independent artist. I am so thrilled for you to hear this conversation and learn more about Alexandra's incredible journey as an artist. So you all know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Alexandra Kay, I am so excited to have you on. You've had such an incredible year in 2021. And now that we're in 2022, I'm very excited for you. You've had a lot going on between, I mean, getting married and then everything with touring. And now you're going on tour again in this new year. So how has it all been? How have you been processing it? Oh, it's been, uh, this year has been a dream. It really has. It's been uh, it's flown by. I can say that we were, t- my husband and I were talking yesterday. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and with what we have planned for 2022, that's going to be gone before we know it too. So I'm just like in this mindset of wanting to take everything in and feel everything because, um, we've been fortunate to be so busy that it's just ripping through the tours have been incredible more than we could have ever even imagined, you know, we, we started the in real life tour just over FaceTime, me, Cooper and Thomas, just as three friends that decided we wanted to go on the road together and not necessarily getting picked up by major agencies. And we had all just turned down record deals and, and, uh, you know, just decided for our own reasons that we didn't want to sign at the time. And so, um, we were all kind of just navigating what our next move was going to be. And we were like, let's just go on tour together. And so we did and invested all of our own money and a lot of time. And, and, uh, my agent, Beth, who was new to me at the time, um, Beth came on and completely crushed the entire tour booked the whole tour and begged people to give us a chance and let us go in. And, uh, we went from booking 200 person venues to a thousand. So it grew into exactly what we hoped it would, but, um, it was scary. Yeah. 
For sure. Yeah. And then of course, I mean, everything with the pandemic, I I feel like, you know, 2020, we learned a little bit of how to, you know, navigate through pandemic life, but 2021, it honestly wasn't that much easier. So how was that in addition to everything else as well? Well, I think the pandemic definitely hit me flat in the face in 2021 because I got COVID while I was on tour. Mm -hmm. And so um, in 2020, I kind of figured out how to navigate it through social media, which I was already very naturally adept at and um, did a lot of research in the earlier years and decided that that was the platform that I wanted to put most of my time and energy into learning and cultivating, figuring out how I can come out on top from, you know, everybody hurting online. Right. And so, so that was kind of my 2020 was doing online shows. And then 2021, we opened up, started doing um, live shows in the in real life tour. And I guess kind of, it kind of realizing that it was going to be a strange climate to tour through because, you know, people buy tickets and then um, they don't come because they get COVID or because they were in contact with somebody who was with who had COVID or they get scared last minute and don't want to come into a crowd or they are vaccinated and there's a vaccination policy or they don't want to wear a mask, whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of different things that kind of come into play other than before when it was just like, do you like this band to come see the show? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of, like I said, it smacked me right in the face. Like I got COVID on the last run of the in real life tour, which we had to end up canceling the remainder of the tour. And so um, we're rescheduling those shows, those are happening in about a week and a half. So really excited to get back out and finish those last four shows of the run. And uh, yeah, it was tough. It was scary. I was like, when did I get this? Who did I accidentally give it to before I found out? And, you know, where do we go from here? So it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it's like, who knows now, like where we stand with everything. I feel like we just got to keep like chucking along and hoping for the best never changing. Yeah, it is. Um, but you know, you brought up social media and I want to get into talking about that and sort of the success you had with marketing yourself really as an independent artist on there. But before we get into it, uh, just your background, I always love to start at the beginning and getting into people's careers with music and, you know, your experiences with music, you've been, you know, performing and singing for quite a long time. Um, did you always know you wanted to go into, you know, being a performer, being a singer? I think I kind of, now that I, now that I'm older and I look back on my childhood, I've always been a very creative person before, you know, nobody in my family was really like honing in or cultivating any of those things. It was really just like, we are a softball family and we play sports. And so that is what I was, which I was naturally adept at as well. So it, that was wonderful. And I exceeded, uh, so did my sisters. They're both wonderful ball players, And, and um, we were put on the best of the best teams and we would travel. And it was like, we would come from playing on this nationally ranked team. And then we would go into our high school team. We would start that season right after. And then we would go and do, and we would play in the winter and we'd play indoor softball in the winter time. So it never stopped. And so, you know, we were all supposed to go to college on scholarship and do that. (laughs) And, you know, that whole thing. And my sisters both did. And I think it was a huge surprise to my parents whenever I said that I wasn't going to be doing that. And my dad actually told the story, the story at my wedding, but we were, um, 
we were sitting at Millican University and they were offering me a scholarship of sorts because it's a D3 school. So technically it could only be like gifted money, you know? So they were like offering me help financially um, for me to come and play ball there. And I was like, I want to see your theater program. And they were like, okay. And so they took me to the theater and, and I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. You know, I want to be a part of this program. And they were, and they were like, you can't be a part of the theater program and be on scholarship softball year. And I said, okay, then I'm not going. And like, Mm -hmm. thank you. And shook their hands. And I was like, we're done here, mom and dad, (laughs) let's go. Um, I think I kind of always knew in the back of my head that I wanted to be on a stage. I wanted to be, um, a performer of sorts whenever I was a child and then started writing songs when I was about 14. Didn't really know I could sing yet until um, I started sharing my songs like with my mom and my family members and then to my friends and they'd be like, you can sing. And I was like, oh, you know, and because nobody else sings in my family, you don't really know you can sing until somebody tells you like, you're good, you know? And like your mom, it's like, you're just saying that mom, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I, and I, it's interesting to hear you say that about softball. I didn't know you had a background in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think looking at, I mean, just when I was in college and friends that played sports, it's sort of unfortunate that it has to be that way where you have to dedicate your whole life to that sport and you can't really dive into any other passions, but, um, you know, you stuck with the one and you've done great with it. Uh, (laughs) I guess with that said, so with, sort of music, particularly with country music, did you have any artists that really influenced you? I did. Um, Like I said, nobody in my family sings or writes songs or anything like that. Uh, So I was really influenced by the radio and my parents always had 92.3 WIL on. They were always blasting country music. So I was listening to what was on the radio at the time. So growing up in the 90s, I'm a 90s kid. So it was, you know, George Strait, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks on the female side. I mean, you have icons like you have Trisha Yearwood, Jody Messina, you have Faith Hill, um, Martina McBride. So I grew up with the best of the best, I think, vocally in um, in country music. And and I think what I, I really remember falling in love with is the stories. And so vocally, I was very, very influenced by, you know, Martina and Trisha and Faith. Um you know, but I remember listening to some of the stories like, you know, George Strait songs, Garth Brooks songs, um, Alan Jackson, and falling in love with how captivated I was by their songwriting. Mm-hmm. And I get my own little notebook and start it myself. Yeah, I mean... I think with country music in particular, it's really interesting because, uh, so I actually am home for the holidays in, in Pennsylvania, but I've actually been living over in the UK the past couple months. And oh yeah, and it's funny because over there, I think country music, obviously it's not really at all as big of a genre as it is here in the States. Sure, um, sure. It didn't really derive from there. So um I, and I listen to country. So when I come across people and they ask me what kind of genres of music I'm into, and I mention country, 
while it's not for some people like in different regions, right? It's not a genre that they really listen to or that they grew up with. What I hear a lot of people say a lot of the times is what you just said, which is there's such a great storytelling aspect behind country music. And I think it's something that a lot of people can, whether they relate to or or enjoy, it's something they could really like tap into and understand. I completely agree. Uh, I think that there's such a poetic nature of country music as a genre. And, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of people that could say that we've steered away from that a little bit um, over the years as the genre has mutated into country pop. Um, But I still think that there are a lot of people still writing incredible stories, still putting out um, rootsy, traditional-esque music. And and those are the people that I I gravitate towards. Um, You know, people like Ashley McBride, I'm I'm a huge fan of her, huge fan of her writing. You know, and on the male side, I absolutely love Tyler Childers. I love, you know, I love what Luke Combs is doing. I love, um, you know, Drew Parker's a new up and comer that writes a lot of great songs that I really love his voice. So there, there's a lot of, a lot of people bringing the roots and in, in kind of what made country music so special to us and drew us to the genre. I think they're kind of bringing it back and I'm happy to, to hopefully one day be a part of that class. That's what I'm working towards. Oh, I mean, you named a lot of my favorites right there too. Cause I, I really do. Cause that's the country music I grew up with. Exactly. Um, you know, that's a lot of that like nineties storytelling component behind it. Rootsy. I mean, even, you know, going back to Merle Haggard and Dolly Parton, like a lot of that as well. Absolutely. So um, a lot, there are a lot of up and coming artists and even artists that have been, you know, putting in the work for the past couple of years that are trying to keep that part of the genre alive, um, which is really fun. And I think that's another thing with you too, which I thought was really interesting is you actually grew up in St. Louis? St. Louis area. So I'm from Waterloo, Illinois, but it's like 45 minutes from downtown St. Louis. Yeah. And I mean, that is obviously not a... a area where you would imagine a lot of country artists coming out of. So how did you find that, I guess, like growing up in that area and trying to just like sort of jump into the genre? Well, I definitely came from a smaller town on the Illinois side. So I'm right on the border between Missouri and Illinois. I definitely came from, from a smaller town where the country was, I guess, the main genre, the town that I grew up in. That's kind of what everybody listened to. Um, but as far as trying to come up in the music business in St. Louis was definitely like, I was like, where do I even start? Um, there wasn't a platform already created by a successful country music star coming out of St. Louis, Missouri. And so that being the nearest major city, I was uh, bartending, not bartending. I was the hostess at the restaurant at the Four Seasons Hotel. And I... Uh, made some friends with a couple of guys who were in hip hop, which obviously Nelly has created a massive platform Mm -hmm. in St. Louis. And so my thought process was, okay, you know, um, if I, maybe it's through the platform that Nelly created for hip hop and R&B artists and, and uh, let's go this route. And so I just started singing on um, like hip hop and R&B tracks for free. And made my way through and ended up signing my first independent record deal, um, out of, out of doing that. So 
That's really interesting. So I guess like, you know, stepping into the industry, it wasn't maybe into your genre of choice, or maybe not even like you were trying to figure out what lane you wanted to go into, but to sort of do something completely out of your comfort zone with that, that's really unique. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, I've always just been a very driven person and, um, I get that from my dad. My dad's like, uh, if it's not going to come to me, like I'm going to make it happen, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of guy. And, um, he's built multiple businesses and, and it's just a very, inc- he's got an incredible story, just himself as a businessman. I've looked up to him my entire life. And so I think I get my tenacity from him as well. And so, uh, their failure was not an option in my mind. Uh, usually isn't when I set my mind to something and I'm not, you know, delusional when, when I feel like if I feel like it's in reach, I'm going to go for it. Um, even if it's just a sliver in my reach. And so, uh, so really when it came to navigating my way through the through the music scene of St. Louis, I was like, okay, how many hands can I shake? How many people can I meet? How many tracks can I sing on? And let's not have any expectations. Let's just see where we get. And that ended up taking me to my first deal. So, um, like I said, failure wasn't an option, <laughs> even though it did happen a lot. I have failed a lot. So. Well, I, I think I always say that like failure is bound to happen to us all. Yeah. Like right. if it doesn't, we're clearly not doing something right because you learn from failure and right. I, I, it sucks, but it's also a really great thing to learn from. Absolutely. Um, and so I think, you know, with that said too, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you know, you for, you know, quite a long time had been working as an independent artist and you did, you put a lot of the work in yourself. Um, I'm curious because you stepped into the industry by utilizing social media in a really interesting way, which was to market yourself and market your talent. Um, how, what made you decide you wanted to do that? Um, because it's been obviously like as social media continues to grow, it's been a really successful way to market yourself. Absolutely. And, um, when I left my record deal, my first independent deal in 2014, I was devastated. Um, but my reason for leaving was really the fact that I was getting a lot of sit back and wait, um, you know, we've got things going on and we've got things that were working for you. And, and I had nothing to do, you know, and I'm a go-getter. Like I'm a, I'm very high strung. I'm like, a, I need to be doing things. I am not a good sitter. I don't wait well, you know? Um, and so we had a meeting and I was kind of like, I want to start uploading videos to, to Facebook. I want to start sharing my voice. I want to start you know, I already have 6,000 followers on Facebook. And I thought that was, you know, so great. And I was like, I already have 6,000 followers on Facebook. Like this could be 10,000, 20,000 if I was uploading videos. And they were just kind of like, no, no, no. Um, you need to sit back and wait for the next single to come out. We've got this, this, and this, and this happening. And, and that's when I started to kind of take a good look at my deal and my situation I was in, the music that I was creating, my heart. How did I feel? How did I feel as an artist? And, um, that situation is what opened my eyes to realize that I did not want to continue to create R&B music. I wanted to go back to my roots and I wanted to, um, I wanted to get my feet back into country music. I just really felt like that's where I belonged. And so I ended up leaving the deal 
And my first step after leaving the deal was to get myself a guitar player. And I did. His name was Dan Tejada. He's my first guitar player. Played together for about three years. And we started making videos of me sitting on the stairs at my parents' house. And ironically enough, my first viral video sitting on the stairs at my parents' house was, if you're reading this, by Tim McGraw. And so that that happened um, in 2014. And then they just continued to go. That That's so awesome. And I think, you know, perseverance is such a great thing in so many industries, but so is like really just being a hustler, right? In any business. If you really, if you really want it, you really got to, you know, use all the tools you can and sort of just propel yourself forward as far as you can go. And I think that's, what's really interesting about social media. And I feel like I've definitely talked about this on the podcast in the past with a lot of different individuals, whether they be, you know, singer songwriters or actors or individuals whose professions now can be sort of, like I said, propelled through the use of social media. Um, And I feel like there's some positives and there's some negatives to it. Um, I think with a lot of industries, it's really hard to get recognized. Social media can help with that. But then it's sort of like a double-edged sword in some ways. Then with everybody having social media, there's so much content out there. So how do you feel how much has it benefited you in your career? And then just what do you think about its sort of effect on the industry in general? So I, it's completely changed my life and my career multiple times. It feels like every, so I, I feel like I've lived at least two lives within social media. I've lived my Facebook life, which was the very beginning when I left my deal and I started going viral constantly on Facebook. And, and that is what took me into my first radio tour, my first tour. I was booking everything myself. Um, that's what got me my Netflix TV show. It's what got me on The Voice. It's what got me all of this stuff was going viral on Facebook. So then I signed my record deal, my second record deal. And I moved to Los Angeles and I shoot Westside for two years. So then I come back from that, having left my major label. And now I'm independent for the second time. And I'm writing, 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 really like taking all of these songs that I love and I believe in. And I feel like have that Alexander K stamp on them. Like, this is who I am. And I, then I take TikTok to TikTok and it's a completely different life. And then it just explodes again. And so I think that there are definitely positives and, and negatives. And I think it's funny that we're having this conversation today because I've been giving it a lot of thought today just from some things that I saw on the internet this morning. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you love something and you believe in something and you're creating something for the consumption of others to feel, to heal, whatever the reason may be that you're creating it for other people, which is why we do it, right? We create it for ourselves, but we create it for other people as well. Why would you not want to share that with them? I find that, I find that hard to wrap my head around any way that I can get this to these human beings is a way that I'm going to try, you know? And so now on the other hand, can, Creating content constantly is exhausting. Mm -hmm. It is exhausting. There are days when 
I stand in front of that coffee pot and I'm like, I don't want, I just want to pour myself a cup of coffee and I want to go sit on my couch. I don't want to sing a song today. I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to do this video four times. I don't want to have to spend four more hours of my day trying to come up with clever content that will get thrown on other people's for you pages so that they can discover me. It's exhausting because then by the end of that time, nine times out of 10, it's nine o'clock at night and I haven't written a song yet today. So then I got to go into my office and I got to write for four hours. So, and then by that time, I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't get the best songs because I'm just mentally drained from creating all day long. So there's, there's definitely pros and cons, but I think at the end of the day, um, it has opened up a portal for a new possibility for independent artists. And I am very, very proud and happy to be an independent artist in this climate. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if it helps, I think you're doing something right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, because it, it's funny because you brought up your mom before. I actually found out about you and your music because my mom, who loves Instagram reels like no other, she had yeah. seen one of your coffee covers and sent it my way. And I just, I, I love seeing people, like I said, I love seeing people hustle. I say it on here all the time. I think it's a really harsh society we live in at times, trying to make it, trying to do things, trying to propel our careers. And when people really stick with it, like you have, I think that's, what's inspiring to me. So um, I think you're doing something right. There's a method to your madness. Thank you so much. I really, I, I've been trying to think about it in a different sense lately, because there was a time when the coffee covers first started just flying. I mean, it was viral video after viral video after my, my, followers were shooting through the roof that I started to place a pressure on that specific piece of content that I had to make sure it was the right song that I felt like people were going to feel nostalgic about that. I felt there was so much, um, how do I say it? I just was overthinking, right? I was constantly overthinking this one piece of content because it had to continue to go viral. And that's what my brain was thinking. So once I switched to, I'm going to just continue to live my everyday life. And this is something I do in the morning and I'm going to sing whatever song my heart wants to sing that morning. And if I want to fold laundry later and I want to sing a different song, then that's what I'm going to do. And if I want to make a video on cooking dinner, then that's what I'm going to do. And that has really kind of taken the pressure off of the content for me and it's made it fun again. And so I'm happy to be in this place because there was a time when I was like, girl, I am putting way too much pressure on this app. That's for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I get the feeling it's, I, I think and that's the whole problem with social media is that a lot of people tend to use it to show this like glossified glamorous version of life. That's we I, all know is not true. Um, but you know, people try and do that. And I think it, you know, as you know, content creators or just users of the platform, it's intimidating to try and be authentic. But I think, like you said, sometimes you got to just sort of jump over that wall and just go do it. And then I think the platforms can be used in, you know, a much more manage manageable way, but also a much more fun way. Um, and I think that is a positive within it. 
I completely agree. And I think that, that another end of the sword that I'm sure you deal with as well with your listeners is like, is the simple fact that not everyone is going to like you, you know? And I think that once we as humans who are creating content and who are putting ourselves on a platform to be ridiculed, to be judged, um, it took me a long time to get to that mindset where I was just like, look, AK, not everybody's going to like your voice. Not everybody's going to like your songs. People are going to think you're annoying. People are going to not like your hair, whatever. You know what I mean? People aren't going to like the way you talk or the things that you say or your beliefs. And like, that's okay. You know, cause I'm not for everybody. And I think that once I started to realize that it started to make the negative comments roll off a little bit better because that is something that can really, if you let it, it can put you in a downward spiral. And that was really, really tough for me to learn the hard way. Yeah, it, it's tough. And I think, you know, that is social media. It, it, it is what it is. Um, right. People share a lot on it and it's not always, you know, it's not always positive. So, but I think with that said, um, to sort of accept that fact that, you know, perfection doesn't exist and, you know, society isn't this truly idyllic place, unfortunately. And, you know, you can't be everybody's favorite, but if, as long as you're doing what you're passionate about and what you love, like that's the best you can do. And as long as you remember at the end of the day to be authentic too, I mean, I think I'd rather be that than just be like a big pe- people pleaser. So. Same, preach. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, with all of those things said, um, you know, with social media and how it's just like really just transformed where you're headed, um, you know, I, I couldn't help but like just be so excited for you with everything, with going on tour with Tim McGraw this year. Like that's just, wow. Thank you. I, I've got to say, like I pinch myself every single day um, when, we, when we continue, we're in the, the planning process now. And so I kind of forget about it sometimes, which I know sounds really, really crazy because it's, it's just such an outrageous thing that I get to do that, you know, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time at my, in my hometown, which I currently am in right now. And like yesterday I went to the grocery store and it was like, I got stopped every, every minute, you know, every time somebody walked in, they were like, we're so proud of you, you know? And I was just like, it's, it wasn't until I kind of got home that I was just like, man, like this is really, really cool, you know, and around my people and the people who have known me, you know, the people who came up to the corner pub and saw me, you know, with, Mm -hmm. with five other people, um, uh, and, and getting to be back here and to get to really take it all in. I think it's going to be the coolest experience of my life. And I can't wait to just be a sponge the whole year and learn everything I can from them. For sure. I know you're going to be like the hometown hero then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just excited to bring back some cool stories and, and, uh, and, and hopefully be able to get my music. I've, I've got a new album that I'm working really, really hard on and, uh, hopefully be able to get some of these new songs in front of, I mean, tens of thousands of people every single night. How crazy is that? I think the biggest crowd I've ever played for is like 7,000 people. And these, these amphitheaters are like, they hold like 20, 30,000 people. And I'm like, what? Like the thought of that? Ah, Crazy. crazy. Yeah. But it's going to be so fun. And I'm so excited for you. And I think with all these new things coming up, I guess, what are you, whether it's a specific project or just everything in general, what are you most looking forward to? What are you hoping you're going to learn from it? 
I'm so looking forward to the release of this album. It is my first time getting to put out a full length project in its entirety that I've gotten to craft and calculate myself um, as far as I'm in fully in control of this record. And I love that. And that's not just my control freak talking. I love that. I love that I'm fully creatively in control of this record. I've got so many ideas and I've been dreaming about, you know, my first full length album for 10 years. And I still haven't put one out because I wanted it to be perfect. And I wanted the timing to be good. And I think that this is the right time. It's the right year. I think being able to have the platform that Tim has given me this summer is going to be incredible to kind of catapult it. And I'm just excited for everybody to really get to know me a little deeper. I'm very vulnerable, very real. Um, I talk about a lot of things other people probably don't talk about on this record. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to, to get, to give my fans the opportunity to get to know me a little deeper. That's so exciting. And yeah, I mean, you've already released so much music already. I mean, Tall Boys is a big, you know, fan yeah. favorite, favorite of mine. Um, <laughs> which I think it's so great to see, you know, all you've, you've done and all you've continued to do. Um, I guess just going into everything, I always love to ask, you know, with handling it, what's, sort of the moment or maybe a piece of advice throughout your whole journey that's really helped you sort of handle your life? Oh man, there's so many pieces, but, um, I think the one that always sticks with me because my, my life, my journey has been, it it has been so many ups and downs. I've had so many opportunities where I thought my life was going to change if this moment pans out the way I want it to, but then it doesn't. And, um, you know, I've been, I have the personality, I'm the personality type to get very excited and very, um, worked up about things. Um, and so that high highs come with low lows and very big letdowns. And so I place a lot of pressure on a lot of things. My dad always just tells me you can either worry or you can work. And that's something that I think about all the time because I am naturally, I worry a lot. My brain doesn't stop ever. I worry about everything. I worry about the people that I love. I worry about, you know, the songs that I write and are they going to come across the way that I want them to come across and, and all the way down to the minuscule things like, is this the best note that I can hit? Or do I need to go cut it for the 15th time? The smallest things I'm very particular and that's a downfall of mine. And, um, my dad just always tells me you can either worry or you can work. So there's been a lot of times when I've been sitting in a downward spiral that I just, that kind of mantra is what got me up and been like, no more sulking. You need to get to work. And that's what's gotten me through all those lows. And I think I'm experiencing some really high highs because of that. So thanks dad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I think that's such a wonderful sort of statement with high highs comes low lows, but also vice versa. You know, sometimes you really have to struggle to get to that, you know, peak of where you want to be um, or, you know, to get to that sort of achievement, whatever it is. Um, I think that's, you know, such a true thing. Yeah, that's when you can really appreciate it for for what it is. I mean, how do you know? Unless you've really felt. Unless you've really felt fathom, like uh, unless you've really felt like 
being really, really low and just at the bottom of the barrel, how are you going to know how it feels when you're at the top? You know, how are you going to really just be able to look around and be like, I'm here and this is amazing. You know, if you've never felt what it's like to have nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, you know, it was sort of like we were talking about before. Sometimes failure is inevitable and it's, it's a good thing to learn from. So, um, you sort of have to just like really champion yourself and, you know, pick yourself back up, get on your feet and keep moving. But yeah. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see all that you continue to do. Um, you know, we know you're on social obviously. So where can people just keep up with you then? And then like, what else, you know, can people be on the lookout for? Well, you guys can follow me on all my social media accounts. They're at Alexandra K Music. I'm Alexandra K on Facebook and everything's got that blue check mark. So if it doesn't, don't add them (laughs) because there's a lot of people out there doing some weird stuff. But but yeah, I'm I'm very excited that all of the tickets are on sale to see me with Tim McGraw, Brandon Davis and Russell Dickerson this summer. So you guys go grab those tickets. I'm also doing a short three-day run with Tracy Lawrence and Clay Walker. That's happening March 3, 4 and 5. I'll be with them. So tickets are on sale for that. And then we've got some more dates, one-off dates and um, in real life tour dates with Cooper Allen and Thomas Mack happening later in the year. So uh, I'm just really excited to get back on the road. We're shooting for, mm, I shouldn't, we're shooting for some time this year for, <laughs> for the debut album and working really hard on it. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Okay. I am, I'm so excited for it. So I'm ready for it. Whenever it comes out, I'm ready. Um, yeah. And then everything, all the links for everything will be listed in the episode description. So people want tickets, they can go get them, um, and just go see you on, on the road. I, I hope, I, I feel like we're getting into a spot now. If 2021 was any indication, I feel like 2022, we're going to be, I can, I can see concerts happening in like their fullest form. They're really hoping they've, they've made a lot of decisions on the Tim tour to kind of try to keep it from happening. So that's why we're all doing we're doing amphitheaters because they're all outside. So, you know, it kind of makes a lot of sense because people are like, um, an April show in, you know, St. Louis is going to be cold, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, well, we're trying to keep everything from getting shut down, trying to be proactive with that. And that makes me really happy. So, oh um, yeah. And amphitheaters are fun. Like it's like the energy is great. Oh my gosh, I love an amphitheater show. If you show up at any of these shows, you need to send me a message so that I can come say hi. I will. I'm hoping I could really go for just like a good concert right now. Like 2021 was, it was a year. So I could go for like a nice concert in 2022. Come on with it, girl. I'll get you a ticket. <laughs> well, I thank you again, you know, Alexandra, so much for coming on. This was so great. Um, I'm just so excited to see, you know, all that you continue to do and all the high highs you have this year. Thank you so much. You're such a pleasure. You're such a light. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Alexandra as much as I did. She achieved so many accomplishments last year, and now this year she's embarking on even bigger projects. Her perseverance and work ethic is so inspiring to me, and I hope that you were able to take something away from her story as well. If you'd like to learn more about Alexandra's upcoming shows, check out the link in the episode description below. 
And there you'll also find Alexandra's social media handles so you can follow along with all of the projects she continues to pursue. Thank you to Alexandra so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.